Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Fear is a tool. But when that light hits the sky... It's not just a call. It's a warning. Welcome to The Syndicate, a film and TV podcast. Be a part of the conversation as industry insiders, genre lovers, and cinephiles dare to peek beyond the curtains of imagination and dive into the art of cinema. Join us as we want you to spend less time scrolling and more time watching. Now here's your host, Armand Haddad. All right, guys. We're here, and we're talking about the Batman. But before we go into the Batman, I have a returning guest. I have a new guest. So, as tradition, so CJ, welcome to the Syndicate. Thank you, Armand. Glad to be here. Yeah, I'm glad that you're here, too. Um, you brought up this movie to me around Christmas, and you're like, have you seen the Batman? And I said, no. And you're like, well, you should check it out. And then I saw it and I was like, we have to podcast about it. Yep. yep. And I had to invite my other friend who is a huge DC fan, Joey. Hey, Armand. <laughs> Thanks for having me back. Glad to be here. Actually, super surprised that you didn't see it when it came out because it is definitely more cinema of a film as far as Batman films go rather than just your average comic book movie. Yes. I was very surprised. And I didn't know that because like, okay, I mean, let, let's get into it. Like when it came out... I was oversaturated with Batman. So like by the time the Batman came out, Robert Pattinson, I was like, what? The ninth Batman movie out of since the Dark Knight movies or even since uh, Michael Keaton's movie, uh, Batman 1989. I was like, I'm Batman out. I can't do Batman anymore. <laughs> like, did you guys feel that way? Like, did it fly under your radar? Like, how did you first like discover the film, the Batman? Secret? So that's a good question. Um, I think just, you know, commercial people talking about it, maybe when the uh, the first trailer dropped, um, just saturation, you know, in the media, I heard about it, but I did not have that reaction at all. I was pumped. Um, I'm not a big superhero buff, but Batman has always been my favorite. And I think because the Christopher Nolan movies were so yeah. good, you know, I just said more the merrier instead of thinking, you know, those three were great and let's take a break <laughs> versus, you know, Marvel pumps movies out all the time and I'm not into the Marvel movies. So, um, you know, I feel a little differently, I guess, about each uh, universe. But right. the Batman one, I was excited about it. A little questionable with Robert Pattinson. I wasn't, you know, <gasps> necessarily you anti or pro, but I mostly knew him from the Twilight movies. 
No, and same. So I was skeptical. I was, yeah, skeptical before. That, the question of whether or not he could deliver as, especially, I think, if I counted correctly, the sixth live-action iteration of Batman, which is a lot of people to be following behind. Michael Keaton, Val Kilmer, George, George Clooney. Clooney. <laughs> let's, let's not talk about George Clooney. He is an actor, and that was, that was something else. He was like, I'm Batman. <laughs> Christian Bale, Ben Affleck, and then Robert Pattinson. Yeah. Honestly, I'm not going to get off the fence yet, but I think he filled in the Cape Crusader role very well. Because like, if you really think about it, when uh, Heath Ledger was casted as the Joker, people were, had the same reaction. Like, what? He's only done rom-coms. What? He was in Brokeback Mountain. He's going to be the Joker. Best Joker we've ever seen so yeah. far. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean... I've seen Robert Pattinson outside of Twilight. I've seen him in The Lighthouse. He's been in a lot of A24 movies. He's been in Tenant. Like the dude overcame his sparkle, sparkleness, sparkly skinness <laughs> of his vampire roots. And he really shined as like a really good actor because he's really good. Like, where, why were you skeptical? Well, so even with all of that, like I didn't think he delivered a fantastic performance in Tenet and I haven't seen a lot of his other movies. So mostly just, you know, someone who's done acting in like a young adult film, like a based on a young adult novel movie. Um, that's it's it is lower standards of what's kind of expected of people. And a lot of time right. there's inexperience. And so someone like Kristen Stewart, who gets used to just doing inexperience of seen her and other stuff. I don't think she does much better of a job than she must have done in twilight. Uh, she, you know, it's, it's a quality of acting. I think that is still probably about the same for a lot of those people. If that's where they, they learned, you know, what, what their, uh, the standard of quality that they need to be able to deliver was my friend. You have to see Spencer because like I had the same sentiment too with Kristen Stewart. Cause I was like, uh, oh, you know, Robert Pattinson's such a, better actor Kristen Stewart's like it and you know she's at the sidelines but like with Spencer have you heard of Spencer I don't think so it's the Princess Diana like it's not a biopic it's like a, a illustration of her life and she plays it perfectly have you seen Spencer mm-hmm. have you heard of it yeah I've heard of that oh, it's so good it's sometimes so good. honestly the big factor and difference there can also just be the director um, I think there are yeah. a lot of directors out there that can get very good quality from the people that they're working with and plenty of directors that don't know how to do that and are used to just being carried by an actor that already knows what they're doing, how to deliver what they need to deliver for that film as well. So if that's what they're used to, they're not, you know, the director isn't used to pushing people to achieve the performance that they actually need for their film. Right. Yeah. I mean, with the Batman, I also feel like, I didn't go see it because it kind of flew under the radar because it felt like overshadowed by either the current events of what has been going on in the world or even just other movies taking precedence. Because like I feel like when the Joker came out, because there was a little bit of a lull in like Batman stuff, and then when the Joker came out, it's like, oh my God. Like it's a movie about the Joker? How incredible. I guess because it's different, maybe that's why. But like hmm. it was also in a different world. It was before COVID before a lot of things happened. <laughs> so like when the Batman came out, I was interested. I was like, Oh cool. Robert Pattinson. And Colin Farrell. Yeah. yeah. With heavy prosthetics. It's funny because like Colin Farrell has so much prosthetics on and he looks like another actor. Like he doesn't look like Colin Farrell. He looks like 
I didn't even realize, like, I remembered when someone mentioned it after seeing the movie that I definitely saw that name during, like, the trailer at the very beginning um, of when the media release kind of started. But then if you had asked me during that entire film, like, I just kept kind of waiting for when's Colin Farrell going to show up? Like, I don't know who this guy is that's doing the Penguin. Like, he's doing a good job, but, like... Colin Farrell must be like the big bad that they're not going to reveal until the end or something like that. And then it got to the end of the movie and I turned to my brother. I'm like, wasn't Colin Farrell supposed to be in this film? He's like, that was the penguin. (laughs) I'm like, that was the penguin. Part of the reason I was excited for it. I'm a big Colin Farrell fan. So I knew he was going to be the penguin. Yeah. And then still during the movie, it, I basically slipped my mind because he was so well masked. And then at the end I was like, Oh wow. Yeah. He did really great. Yeah. So much so that I knew it was him forgot it was him i forgot yeah. it was him too and going in i knew he was the penguin it was only like halfway through the movie where it was like one camera angle where mm-hmm. like you could kind of see his face more behind the prosthetics i was like oh yeah that's colin farrell i forgot yep yeah yeah he was a great great character but let's transition to because we talked a lot about the movie um let's transition to how did we find out how did we first encounter the caped crusader and joey i know you're such a huge dc fan so this is going to be very surprising to you then because my first encounter with batman as a character on screen or tv you know kind of animation was actually the christopher nolan batman begins film at home after it had no longer it was no longer in theaters wow oh um, so my god that, that was my first experience absolutely loved it it was definitely like the reboot movie for at least like me in that scenario my generation kind of that got me very interested in batman i started watching you know all the other batman movies that came before um uh got a hold of the original animated show watched mm-hmm. that entire thing watched the spin-off show um, beyond the batman watch the batman show watch yeah. you know even the weird animation ones that's got like katana and alfred is like an mi an actual mi6 agent <laughs> like i'll check it out and then so in correlation with that also the arkham games where i think a big a big uh a big point in uh, my like dc mm. uh career as it were in terms of just really loving the wow. arkham asylum and and then uh corresponding games coming after that one I had no idea. I always thought you were like a lifelong DC fan. So you're telling me that Batman was the gateway drug when you were a teenager into the whole DC universe. Probably. I'm probably into just comic book movies in general because wow. even even before Batman Begins, those comic book movies weren't even a part of you know widely distributed cinema or movies to begin with either. Wow. So CJ, how did you first encounter the Cape Crusader? You know, I think it's just a youth growing up in the 90s, seeing the movies. You know, I have memories of Schwarzenegger as Mr. Freeze. Let's um, kick some ice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Poison Ivy, um, Batman oh, yeah. and Robin. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think similarly, having the experience with when Batman Begins came out, you know, as a little bit older, 13 or 14, whatever I was, that's really when my interest grew a little bit. Um, and then, of course, you have uh, Mayor West and Family Guy. Yes. And so yes. there was always a little bit of that through line a little batman well. all through your life yeah yeah like similarly with me um because i grew up with the animated series in the 90s uh mm-hmm. with mark hamill playing the joker uh kevin cos not kevin costner but conroy kevin conroy as batman so he's always batman in my my eyes r.i.p kevin um but like i remember when those movies came out 
I remember when Batman Forever came out. I remember Batman and Robin because I also remember it was either McDonald's or Burger King. They had the toys that coincide with the movies. Me and all my friends had those toys. I think for Batman and Robin, it was like a Frisbee disc that was also doubling as like the topper for the drinks and stuff. Those were the days, man. Happy Meals. Yeah, Happy Mm -hmm. Meals toys are not good anymore. Mm -mm. I see them now. I'm like, what the hell is this? I remember when they were awesome. Back in the 90s. That's right. Everything was better in the 90s. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So, guys, we talked about how we encountered the Batman movie and the character. So before we go any further, first, let's cheers. We all have some nice bourbon in our hands. I think Bruce Wayne would uh, approve of this. So before we go any further, Joey, CJ, who would like to volunteer as tribute to summarize the Batman, starring Robert Pattinson. I volunteer CJ as tribute. Oh, okay. newbie gets it. All yeah, right, yeah, we could do that. I've okay. done this at least twice before. I mean, so. it makes sense. You're the guy that suggested this podcast, suggested this movie. So, CJ, I need you to summarize the Batman, start to finish, every scene. Well, avoiding major spoilers. See, now you know why I let you do the summary <laughs> oh, okay. for the three-hour film. Yeah. Okay, we're avoiding major spoilers. Major too. spoilers. Yeah. All right. Um, and go okay so it opens up on a scene we have the riddler who who is the uh the main um arch enemy of the show yes he kills the mayor he goes on um kills a couple of other people through the city being the riddler he's leaving clues yep uh we see batman in more of a detective role in this movie mm-hmm. versus the uh the nolan trilogy he's working hand in hand with uh detective gordon solving these crimes um it's leading him left it's leading him right he, through his uh, detective work, comes into contact with um, Selena Kyle, who is, as we know, Catwoman. Oh, yeah. In the movie, um, you know, there's a little back and forth with them. They're moving forward. I'm trying not to spoil anything. Um, solving the crime were... Falcones. Yes, yes. The Fal- okay, so... The Maronis. We have the Maronis. <laughs> we have the Falcones. The Maronis, Salvatore Maroni, the big crime boss in the city. He'd been busted. Big oh, yeah. drug bust. Uh, the mayor and the, um, the commissioner were bragging about it. It's a big deal for the city. Um, Carmine Falcone was the other big boss in the city, and, mm-hmm. and turns out he's kind of filled the void a little bit. He has um, a club, and at the club we have the Penguin, who's running the club. Oh yeah, and you know we mentioned Colin Farrell as the Penguin, great character. <laughs> he has a great scene where he's being um, questioned by Batman and Detective Gordon. Um, I won't spoil the scene because it's. It's one of the, the moments of brevity, I think, in the movie. Oh, yeah. um, El La Ratata. What is it? Um, I don't even whatever remember. It, whatever it is. It's a funny scene. Um, so we're moving forward. Batman and, and Gordon are you know trying to piece together who's next, who the Riddler is going to um, kill next. And uh, Batman's parents are involved. And, and are they good? Are they bad? Are they yeah. in between? Um and so I don't think there's anything else in the middle I'm really missing, but it culminates into a scene. Oh, oh, oh. so here we go. Um, Carmine Falcone gets, oh, 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 okay. gets okay. popped. Gets popped. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Not a major spoiler. And um, that's when they catch the Riddler. And then the Riddler and the Batman are talking in Arkham Asylum. And that leads to a showdown in Gotham's Madison Square Garden, where the newly elected mayor is talking. And Batman goes from vengeance to hope, and it's a very beautiful scene, and we love the, the cinematography and the colors. Yeah. And then uh, Selena Kyle says, 
uh, I want you to come with me, but Gotham is always where you're going to be. And they part ways on their motorcycles. I want you to come with me. Yeah. (laughs) Question is how they spelled it. Yeah. Yeah. That's perfectly, uh, talked the whole, that's pretty much the Batman in a nutshell. And, you know, you left some parts out, but we're going to go fully into the film now. And the first thing I want to talk about, because we mentioned him so much during that little synopsis, the Riddler. And I don't know about you, but growing up watching the animated series, the Riddler was always my favorite because mm. he had a very unique costume. It was all green with like all the question marks all over. And he had the bowler hats and he had the, the cane with the question mark on it. And I associate the question mark with the Riddler character when I was a little kid. And seeing how they portrayed the Riddler in this, it was like a breath of fresh air. Because like how they depicted the Joker in the Dark Knight trilogy is how they depicted the Joker in the um, in the excuse me, the Riddler in this. Because like it's more grounded because they're not gonna have like this weirdo like, oh, you have to solve this clue. And it's like, no, how they treated him was like a serial killer. And like I would have never imagined taking the character of the Riddler, who is like this super campy guy who's, you know, he likes riddles and puzzles to turn him into a serial killer akin to like the Zodiac killer or the BTK killer, like these people sending ciphers to the police. And it's like, Oh, the Riddler is a perfect character for that. And it's like, Oh my God, I would have never thought about doing that. And it's genius. I absolutely loved it. Yeah. Yeah. I've always in my mind thought Riddler, Jim Carrey, Yep. And, and, and so, um, you're yeah, right. Yeah. It was a great iteration of the Riddler in my yeah, opinion. It's well. wonderful <laughs> and, and polar opposite. Um, so when the movie opened up with the scene and, and, you know, he's looking at the mayor, um, did not know at all it was going to be the Riddler. And then obviously very quickly with, with the riddles, it's, you know, you're able to connect the dots, but, um, but you're right. A totally different portrayal, um, which, which obviously fits the scene of the movie, how, you know, gritty and dark it oh, is. Yeah. 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 Cause like. Watching this, like it flew, it flew under my radar, but like watching this, I was surprised how gritty and dark it was because this is like, dare I say, dark night level quality and no one's talking about it. You know, I feel like if this film came out before the dark nights, before 2008, everyone would be like, oh my God, this is amazing. We have like Riddler t-shirts. Yeah. Like the Riddler's everywhere. But instead in our universe, we have the Joker, Dark Knight, that came out first. I feel like it's in the same vein as that. Like, how do you feel about that, Joey? I think that's an interesting comparison to be drawing. I think the difference there is, in my opinion, they went even a little bit too real with some of the characters in the Batman compared to Christopher Nolan's. The Joker was still very much like an unhinged, mentally unsound person. Yeah. And that was, you know, carried through in like what would be a more realistic expression of someone who dresses as a clown and commits crimes rather than the classic, like fell into a vat of acid. Now their skin is white and stuff like that. Um, for me, I didn't dislike the Riddler as a villain in the Batman, but it, it didn't resonate, I think, in the same way that it did for you guys as far as like that being the Riddler. It felt like a totally different character, and it felt like they were also making a very like controversial stance of like, oh, these people on the fringe in America, these are the Riddler. These are the Riddler. These are, you know, the people that like like especially with the the end when everyone's showing up and they've got the same kind of costumes and it's like 
we are the patriots you know we are the heroes here um that just seemed like a very interesting kind of framing for the story in general so i felt like the riddler was missing that kind of like happy gleeful i'm i'm here to play games and i'm here to make you play sadistic games as well so i think there could have been more of like a saw choice kind of element for him oh, where he's okay. kind of like the joker in um in the dark knight where he forces batman to choose between who he's gonna save uh, you know in a sense and so the riddler is like that but more on kind of you know steroids and more focused on the actual like solving the riddles themselves which i thought the riddles were great and so i thought the element was great yeah. but i thought the costume choice was just like okay it's a guy in a gimp mask like <laughs> I guess, but like they're really trying to make him look like a serial killer with the glasses and everything that's and the haircut. The points. He looked like Dennis Rader. But the that's same not what the glasses. Riddler is his character. He doesn't actually care about killing people. He wants Batman to choose who's going to live or die. The Riddler's not actually going to kill them. Batman's choice to not save someone is what's going to kill people for the Riddler. But that's why he kept on making all the letters to Batman. So it's always like he's trying to involve Batman in all of these traps. Well, you know? but as we learn later on in the movie, that's not because he's trying to get Batman to play his game. That's because he views Batman as his partner. They're both like, they're, oh, yes. they're just like, you know, they're a team that is helping make a Gotham better. And that's both of their missions. And they're doing that in slightly different ways, but he's helping the Batman with also doing that. He, you know, even says like to the Batman at the end of the, near the end of the film, where he talks about, like, we are working together. Like, I said, bring this guy out into the light, and you did, and then I eliminated him. And so, like, we're a great team, and that's his that's his whole, you know, character's, like, shtick yeah. is he doesn't see himself as any different. And, I mean, that obviously causes some very interesting and very good um, kind of self-reflection on Bruce Wayne's part as far as who he is, who he's being portrayed, who he's portraying himself for this persona of Batman as as well. CJ, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, I, th I think you're totally right because they have that scene when they're talking in Arkham and uh, and the Joker is kind of hinting you know, by repeatedly saying Bruce Wayne that that he knows who the Batman is and then, you know, it flips and he doesn't. Mm -hmm. And then he flips his lid when Batman's like, whoa, I'm not your partner, buddy. Um, and then they're they're in Madison Square Garden and uh, and one of the guys, you know, he says he's vengeance, which is what Batman's been saying throughout. Um so it is an interesting reveal at the end, which I think might get back to, um, Joy, as you're saying, the portrayal of, of who the Riddler's character is. Because in this movie, yeah, he's not, he's not playing with Batman's mind. He thinks he's working with Batman. And so that lends itself to, to kind of being a different character portrayal. Mm -hmm. yeah. Here's the thing. So, like, what's Riddler's motive start to finish? In the Batman movie or in the, in the DC franchise as a whole? In the Batman. Because I would say that they're different. And so that was more... What I think I, I take like general issue, like I said, okay. I think the iteration is not bad. It's, it's just not like if it's an origin story and then because of his interaction with the Joker and being in the asylum, he gets a little bit crazier and kind of then leans more in that. I'm just here to play games um, that that would make more sense. But I'm not, you know, you don't come out of the Batman feeling like this is a origin story that's kicking off a brand new trilogy and we're going to have some of these characters return. You don't mm -hmm. feel like that's not, you know, impossible to happen, but that's not, it wasn't their immediate initiative with that film. See, he's the Riddler. So what's the point of riddles? It's to reveal something, a truth that's hidden through 
you know, mystery. And with the Riddler character in the Batman, I mean, he took like a political stance because like he's from a disenfranchised group of Gotham that, you know, believed in the the words of, I think it was Thomas Wayne who was running for mayor and he ends up getting killed. And then he ends up becoming entangled with like the crime syndicate of Gotham with the Falcones and the Maronis and all that stuff. And he became disenfranchised. He's like, Oh my God, like the people that I trusted, they lied to me. Mm-hmm. And so he wanted to reveal the dark underbelly, the the dark sins of the city. You want to bring that to the forefront and you know, it's for everyone to see. And that was like his main motive. So it's like, he's kind of true to the name of the Riddler. Like he's trying to reveal stuff to the people of Gotham. Granted, it's not the best intentions he has, but like it's still that's his motive. So I think when comparing that to like the cartoon version or the comic version of the Riddler, it's like you can have that mustache twirling psychopath where he's like creating all these puzzles just for the hell of it, for the lulls. But I think it's more grounded and more realistic, and we can somewhat, you know, understand his his motives like okay that that makes sense in the real world because like if you have the comic version of the riddler in the batman he would stick out like a sore thumb i don't think the whole film would have worked type of thing yeah and this this version of batman i mean batman begins was already the darker grittier version of batman and the original batman film with michael keaton was already the darker grittier version of batman compared to like the tv show that came before that so like Every, you know, generation and a half, we have this darker, (laughs) grittier version. So it makes sense from that standpoint. Um, And like from Merriam-Webster's type dictionary for Riddler, like it still tracks, but it is just significantly different from those other iterations in the show, the comics, the other movies. You know, it's just uh, like it's a significant kind of deviation from maybe not the character at its core, but at the portrayal of that character, at least on, on the exterior and his motives. <sighs> okay. <laughs> CJ, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I, I, I agree with, agree? with the analysis. I, I, don't I personally, agree. well, I, I enjoyed this portrayal um, and talking about the grittiness and the evolutions of that through the Batman um, film chronology. To me, it's always felt as not a, a super big superhero buff. Um, that of all all the characters to make grittier films, Batman seems to be the most obvious because he's a guy. He's not a superhero in the sense that he's not super. Yep. He's just a guy with dead parents, and he's really upset about it. <laughs> and, and a whole lot of money. And a whole yes. lot, yeah, exactly. And a whole lot of money and, and, and super cool cars and motorcycles and things, and he's ripped. Um, <laughs> but like the the quote unquote that's super, the real fantasy it's not superpowers <laughs> it's just being the actual yeah. apex and having access to all technology and all money that's, right yep and and you get the the not campy but the superhero part of it with the villains and yeah. again some of them don't have superpowers and things but that's kind of where to me it's always felt like that that gets into that realm a little bit more but it makes sense if you're gonna go grittier that the villains as well are gonna become you know more realistic portrayals yeah and this grounded. truly felt like the most realistic movie. And if there was no such thing as a Batman franchise in general, and someone just made this movie, it would still be a superhero movie because it's got the costume, but it's kind of just a story of a, a more vigilante, vigilante movie, that's yeah. dealing with a serial killer. And in a sense, you could, you strip away almost all of what makes it feel like it's a comic book character. And I'm sure there'll be another round in five years. That'll, that'll straight up just ditch the suit. But, um, 
but it, it makes sense to me that this is a character that's that's gone this way over time more and more it makes sense because like like you said joey before this movie we had the dark knight we had the nolan films and that was the most grounded take on batman we have seen so far and then we have this who's it's even more grounded. And like you said, CJ, probably in like 10 years, we'll get a Batman where he doesn't even have a suit. It's, right. it's just a guy. Yeah. Maybe he's, he's got a, a bat as a pet. I think that's the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a, it will be, it'll be like a, a thriller where like, it's just Bruce Wayne's perspective. It's not like he doesn't have the whole fantastical element to it. Um, so like with, Robert Pattinson's portrayal of this character, honestly, I felt like it was still different because like in the context of the movie, he's only been Batman for like two years. Right. Because like he was using this as an experiment. Short enough period of time that he's not actually known as Batman at that point. He's known as the vengeance. And he doesn't have any of the, like this is all like before the Batmobile before the um you know the bat bike and all the bat you know technology he just he just has a suit right he has a little bit of like a emo edgy kind of (laughs) slant to himself like from his hairstyle to like the guns that killed my parents i've melted down to make the symbol on the chest of my suit like that's something that's real that's what like really yeah that's I that's part that of the part. Batman. i mean i don't i think it's one of those things where unless you actually knew that from reading the like you know what people said from the prop department more than anything else you would never arrive at that but like and and sure. that's for me it's like okay that so yes it's edgy we get it we're very edgy which tracks with an the edgelord. rest of the, the film an and the uh and the the villain and everything it is very you know, it's supposed to be a little bit more controversial, a little bit more edgy, I think, uh, uh, for an iteration to the DC universe. It truly is. Like, I was... It makes sense. It's Batman. And, like, we talked... I referenced this before we started uh, recording. Like, Batman has always, for me, felt like an outlier with the whole DC universe because, like, for me, like, not only is Batman so... It's, like, it's such a stark contrast to the rest of like the Super Friends or the Justice League, whatever we want to call them, like because like he is the Dark Knight. He's the, he is the vigilante that only comes out at night and fights crime, like real crime, like mafia type stuff in Chicago. I mean Gotham, and we have the rest of the people. No, no, no you spoke correctly. <laughs> who like wear tights and spandex and like red and blue and gold, and he's just like all black. So, like, it makes sense for him to be, like, this gritty representation of the anti-hero. And with, also with Batman, I was a feel, I feel like it's also the most popular DC franchise oh, in yeah. DC. It's, like, Batman and then the other stuff. And, like, Marvel's not like that. Well, Superman's pretty big, too. And you'll yeah. definitely run into people that feel like Superman is better, but they're wrong. <gasps> they think Superman is better than Batman. Have you heard of Jerry Seinfeld? <laughs> <laughs> He did. Come on, Elaine. He's so much better. <laughs> he captured General Zod. <laughs> he put him in the Phantom Zone. What's up with airline food? <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, like, you know, I actually, because you met Aaron, right? Yeah. Joey? Like, Aaron's former roommate was really into Superman. Like, he has Superman posters, Superman everything. And I'm like, 
wow. I mean, I'm not going to knock someone's, that's, that's his thing, but like Superman, like the Boy Scouts, it's like, I understand like what Zack Snyder did with him, like carrying like Christ imagery and it's like all that, but like Superman, that's the guy that you think is the coolest. Batman's so much cooler. Oh yeah. It's just a dude putting, putting his life on the line for this city that doesn't really care about him, you know, like. The cops, unless it's Commissioner Gordon, doesn't like him. The people think he's a menace. The mafia doesn't like him either. It's like he's trying to save a city that doesn't deserve him. Just like in the Christopher Nolan movies. So, CJ, you mentioned Selena Kyle. I did, and I kind of left her out of the uh, the recap a little bit and her plotline. I'm, I'm realizing yes. I'm looking back, so <laughs> she's also an important part she, of the movie. Yes. She's an important side character. And I think out of all the Catwomans we've seen on film, the first one being, was it Batman Forever? Batman Robin? Batman 2? Batman like, Returns. Batman Returns. That's what that one's called. With the Penguin as well. Yeah, Danny DeVito. <laughs> I think. Yeah. I think, also not recognizable as maybe that's just a theme for Edgar. No, he looks like Danny. DeVito. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like he's recognizable. He doesn't like not. Are you sure he looks like the penguin or does the penguin look like Danny DeVito? <sighs> well, that's true. And maybe it's the height factor. That's also <laughs> that giving helps. it away. That a definitely little bit. helps. Yeah, it does help. Like I, I like Danny DeVito more as the penguin, but that's just me. But anyways, I imagine Danny DeVito is in the Batman. That would be amazing. I think he would fit. You know he can fit. Yeah. Joey's yeah. thinking. No, but yeah, I'm, I'm not, yeah. He's just been on Always Sunny for so long now. That <laughs> it's hard it, to it distance him really, from like a comedic role, yeah, I think. And because this, this movie was so, for the most part, anti-comedic, yeah. it would be a bit of an adjustment, I think. It well, would be. Falcone just, would be like, Penguin, what's going on? Like, Batman is. So anyways, I started blasting. When <laughs> and that came. was John Tortoro, who is also usually a much more comedic character. Yeah. Well, in and that's, that's a good point. So if he could do it, maybe DeVito could too. Yeah. Let's, yeah. Let's no, that, that. yeah, that, that, that's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, sure. sure. Comedy is harder to do than drama. Anybody could be dramatic. But it's hard. It takes a very specific skill set to be a comedian. So if they already have the skill set of being a comedian, they could do drama. So I think Danny DeVito, he could do it. He's so what man. you're saying is Adam Sandler will be the next Batman. I think Adam Sandler would make a great, maybe Alfred. Yeah. Okay. Not not the main guy. Not the, okay. He's not okay. the main show. All right. Or he would be a great like Falcone or. Yeah. Is it Maroni? There's both. There's two. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Those are the two crime families in Gotham that, yeah. okay. you know, kind of in the comics were not as prevalent because they're not as flashy. And yeah. then Christopher Nolan's really focused in on how can we make this more realistic, more closer to home for people? What would be realistic there? Have you seen Uncut Gems, CJ? Oh, yeah. He would be a great, like, Falcone or somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, have yeah. Have seen Uncut Gems, Joey? I have not. Oh, you got to see it. Like, that's probably one of his best films. Because, like, yep. Adam Sandler makes a lot of dog shit movies, like Hobie Halloween, which he made in spite because, like, he wasn't nominated for Uncut Gems. So he's like, I'm going to make the worst movie ever made. Wow. And then he did. Sounds about right. <laughs> like, I think he would be a great actor. But anyways, Selena Kyle. Talk about Catwoman. So I think this is the best representation of Catwoman personally I've seen on film because, like, we had. Uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. What about Halle Berry? 
You know what? I stand corrected. <laughs> Halle Berry <laughs> is amazing. You know, that part in Catwoman where like... That's she, what I remember about that film. Halle Berry was, was the title. <laughs> That's it. She was escaping jail and like... She's I think it was about makeup bars. pharmaceuticals and that, that's, that was the plot. <laughs> she's going through the bars and the bars bend around her because they're made of rubber. Or is it because they bend around her because she's Catwoman? <laughs> what film are we talking about? We're now? talking about Catwoman. You haven't seen Catwoman. I have, but it's been forever and it's not recommended for anyone to watch <laughs> ever. So it's very forgettable. I'm saying that Zoe Kravitz is the best Catwoman we have seen on film because like Anne Hathaway, bless her heart. I think she was miscasted in uh, the Dark Knight Returns. She wasn't all that great. She was fine. But she, I felt like she was miscast. And then we had, who played the first Catwoman in Batman Returns? What was her name? Wasn't it Michelle Pfeiffer? Yeah, Michelle Pfeiffer. Mm-hmm. She was crazy. The original Batman movies, all four of them, are pretty weird. They I think weird. it's worth Tim acknowledging. Burton. Yeah, especially the first two, which were Tim Burton. Because um, I think the later ones were not Tim Burton. No, but it got even weirder somehow with like Bane. And- For me, Batman Forever is actually the best out of those four because I think Val oh. Kilmer did a really good job of both the Batman character and the Bruce Wayne character at that age. I think Robert Pattinson, so we were talking about him a little bit earlier, I think he does a fantastic job of Batman in this most recent movie, especially for the much younger, like he is early 20s you know kind of and so we see like christian bale or that, that's the take that i got from this okay. film that he's just still like a, a kid older. basically um whereas christian bale is like closer to his 30s he's traveled the world he's spent time training in these areas he thought people thought he was dead for so long right um and so we kind of see christian bale cross over that point in time but this film we actually see robert pattinson mm-hmm. kind of like living that that era of time for gotham that is interesting. Yeah, like both of their characters felt like an origin story for the characters because, like, we have Catwoman and she's young. Mm-hmm. Robert Pattinson, he's young too. I think these are like the youngest portrayals of the character because, like, we don't. Like, Batman, when he's Batman, he's a grown ass man. When they first announced the project, um, my brother and I actually weren't sure if they were going to be going the direction that's set, like, in the future where Bruce Wayne is very old. He uses basically just a mech suit if he's doing anything Batman. He kind of is handing off the mantle to a young kid. Um, Batman Beyond. Yep, which is a great show. Highly recommend. Also still has Mark Hamill back as the Joker as well. Um, But So we weren't sure, and we were kind of hopeful that was the direction they were going to go instead of just a reboot, which I didn't mind the reboot, but it would have been also interesting to see Robert Pattinson filling that role and then working with like an aged Batman who's become like both the Alfred and Bruce Wayne character at the same time. Interesting. I think that was the original plan because like there was a Batman uh, project that was canceled that also starred, uh, I think it was Ben Affleck. Maybe Michael Keaton was in it too, but like there was some project where you had an older actor and a younger actor and it was only recently where it was revealed yeah that project would have been batman beyond it would have been a batman beyond movie are you sure that's not just the flash with ezra miller well that's coming out still 
I no, I know, but that has like Michael Keaton back as Batman, like Two old Batman's. Batman, and uh, it's got multiple flashes and multiple other characters. Yeah, but that's like different universes and like flashpoints and all that stuff. But like, if the universes are colliding, they're all the same universe. <laughs> <laughs> it's a multiverse, exactly. It's just one big multiverse. DC is trying to catch up to Marvel with that. I think is is the reality from the movie making. Is that why they're okay. so? dead set on releasing that film because like Ezra Miller, I'm sorry, has been a very problematic person. They are going crazy. <laughs> Beating up people like, oh my God. Isn't, like, isn't uh, the Harry Potter franchise still moving forwards with him as well? We're getting a little, we're getting very off, yeah, we off, are getting off topic, topic of ba- the I don't Batman think at this so. point. But. Because like, I mean, they fired a, uh, What's his name? Johnny Depp. Yeah, they fired him, and they hired a better actor. So I, <laughs> I don't think they're going to proceed forward with Ezra Miller being what the son of Dumbledore, son of Grindelwald, son of somebody, son of Voldemort. Somebody. Dumbledore's nephew, I think, is what he oh, was. Okay. Honestly, he wasn't that big of a role. You can easily recast him, and no one will notice. Probably. Just, I mean, they recasted Grindelwald, and he was a pretty big character. So I think in that, I have other issues with that, but that's a whole other separate podcast. Probably <laughs> okay. that's next month. That's next month. Let's get back into the Batman. Like, I think, I mean, I wish they went the route with like uh Batman beyond, but what we got was essentially an origin story of Batman and Selena Kyle going a roundabout way for, with Selena Kyle. Like, I think her portrayal of Catwoman it was more than a cat burglar because like every single iteration we've seen so far is kind of like a thief. And there was that element there, but like she had a motive, which wasn't present in any iterations prior because like it fleshes out her character. So like a big driving force of all of her actions was her lover slash roommates goes missing. She doesn't know what happened and she's trying to uncover just you know, in tandem with Batman trying to uncover who the Riddler is, she's trying to uncover what happened to her, to her friend. Yeah, it was interesting to see, you know, you have in some ways Batman and her working side by side, but, and not with ulterior motives, but obviously different ends um, and the relationship between the two of them as her first, you know, starting to figure out how much they want to work together. And it was a, an interesting dynamic to, uh, to watch blossom between the two of them, both as a, uh, as just uh, sidekicks to each other and then sort of as, as friends and then as, oh, you know, a little bit maybe more. hinting at a, a little bit more. Yeah. So um, interesting, interesting for sure to watch how, uh, how it developed. And the bats and the cats. <laughs> yes. Which it was mostly just, I think it was a lot of tension and a lot of shared trauma and reality was where their characters were connecting. And I totally agree. The choices they made did add a lot of depth to that character and then um, specifically in this iteration was able to connect with Batman, Bruce Wayne because of who their fathers were in actuality and um, right. what their fathers were a part of and just kind of having to live with that as their legacy and then really make that choice of who they were going to be um, in light of or despite of or building off of that legacy. Sure. Let's unpack that a little bit because I, I thought that was one of the more interesting points of the movie because like, Thomas Wayne, the Waynes, the parents were just a, a plot device for the creation of Batman. We didn't really have them as actual characters. And like with this film, 
it repurposes that killing of Thomas Wayne as like the catalyst of like Bruce becoming Batman, but also the revelation of Thomas Wayne wasn't that great of a guy. Like, yeah, he was mostly good, but he also dabbled with the crime underbelly of the city. And he was very, he had ties with Falcone. And what's interesting with Selena Kyle is by the end of the film, it's revealed that her father is Falcone. So it's like, even though they both have checkered backgrounds because of the sins of the father, which is also what Riddler was trying to reveal to the whole city is like, oh, you think Bruce Wayne is, is awesome? Well, his father is a piece of shit. <laughs> like, he, you know, he sold out the, the people of Gotham, like all that stuff. And with both of their stories, they come from their father's, were involved with unethical things yet they can't be judged by that because like they're trying to rise above their past their Mm -hmm. upbringing like batman is trying to be a vigilante for good and while selena kyle is trying to escape her past in a way by becoming this new person who then she also works with batman to solve Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Crime. Well, what you really get, which is interesting, I think, is you have orphans in all three of the main characters. You know, Bruce Wayne, Batman... Selena Kyle, once her mother gets killed, and then the Riddler himself also being an orphan. Yes. And and the different ways they were raised in, you know, starting it at the same point and the different directions they all went. Um, obviously, we know Batman grew up with the wealth and with Alfred, um, sees the world mostly as black and white. And anyone who's, you know, breaking the law, doing something wrong, he's against. Same Selena Kyle with the way she grew up and the world she was in. Um, she's much more in the gray and I think that's, you know, part of the back and forth they have. Um, so when you reveal that Selena Kyle's father is the one who ordered the hit on um, Bruce's parents, uh, you know, I think he starts to see the world is not as black and white and cut as dry, cut and dry as he thought. Um, and so, yeah, you go from his black and white to Selena's gray. And then on the other side, the Riddler himself is also a bit black and white. Yes. From from the other vantage point. Um, and obviously takes it, you know, a pretty dark, terrible way, which most would consider the black and not the white <laughs> in the, the two. But um, it's a, it's an interesting sort of uh, gradation from, you know, from one end to the other and, and how they all they intertwine through the story. That is so beautifully. Oh, my God. Like, that's a great illustration of like, like most orderly Batman mm-hmm. to the most chaotic, the Riddler. Right. Right. And Selena Kyle is smack dab in the middle. You're going to say something, Joey? 
I was just going to say, I think that's a reoccurring theme within the DC and specifically the Batman universe as well. Kind of the striving to be better than your your parents or your father, especially in a lot of cases. And so we even see that in, I forget what, it, what um, the name of the entity is exactly, but there's an iteration where we see a alternate reality where Bruce Wayne and Martha Wayne were both killed in Crime Alley. But Thomas Wayne was not. And so Thomas Wayne becomes the Batman figure in Gotham. Mm, but he runs around with handguns and shoots people. <laughs> and that's his brand of like justice. And so just like the the Bruce Wayne has, you know, that encounter with this alternate version of his father and the realization of like why he doesn't kill people and that you know, like he shouldn't be, you know, kind of the reinforcement that he shouldn't be killing people um, at the same time. So I, I think that's a a reoccurring theme within the franchise that uh you know be better than your than your father so he essentially becomes frank castle the punisher because frank castle had his wife pretty much kids killed and he's like fuck this i'm gonna start (laughs) killing everybody so yeah makes sense doesn't it um so yeah then bruce wayne of course doesn't want to kill because his parents were killed well you know it makes me think of something this is a very half-baked thought as you're talking about the fathers, in Bruce Wayne's mind, you know, his father's perfect role model. Yeah. Selena Kyle has a father who she knows is not. And then we hear nothing about the Riddler's father. And so not to make this a whole political point about, you know, fathers in the home and whatever, but it is interesting. The one who's super moral, hardline moral with the great father. Then you have the one who's wishy-washy with a father, you know, who's, who's a criminal. And then the one who goes chaotic, you know, off the cliff, there's no mention of his father at all. So I don't know if there's anything there or any point to be made, but it is an interesting gradation between the fathers themselves and who they are and how they're involved in their kids' lives. And then also the way the three grow up and, and, you know, flesh out their, their life. I think it's having, I mean, we could, you know, in the context of the story, have it be the father figure, the parental figure, but like, I think it's more so having a strong figure in your life that represents the parents because Mm -hmm. like with, um, with Bruce Wayne, he had Alfred, right, who right. filled in the role of mom and dad. Like that was his parental figure, the solid foundation for his upbringing. And Selena Kyle, she had parents, but like her dad was not a good person. Like he probably wasn't around. He's he's morally bankrupt, right. And with the Riddler. He was in a system. He's a product of the system, the broken system. Because, like, he believed Thomas Wayne was going to help. He's probably in the, the orphanages and, you know, in the system. And it was just, he's like castaway. He is truly the outcast. He had no strong parental figure. And it shows yeah. in his point of view. Because he becomes a serial killer. He's on 4chan. Yeah, he's he's on the alt right forums. <laughs> you know, it's funny the scene when um, Batman's looking at his computer, and and you can see the chat that was up, yeah. or there's the video, whatever it is. If the you live read, stream, yeah, and you just read any of the comments of the guys that were chatting in, it's another little moment of brevity if you're paying attention, just coordinating and talking like, oh, where did you get your jacket? Like, oh, they had yeah. a sale over here at you know Fourth <laughs> and, and Roosevelt or whatever. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it was yeah. great. It was thinly veiled. I was like, oh, these are the QAnon people. Yeah. (laughs) On the dark web. Yeah, the dark web. The dark web that has live streaming capabilities. Apparently. (laughs) Yeah. 
Oh, he had 500 subscribers. 500 crazy people. And they all showed up at the end. <laughs> wearing the same exact stuff as the Riddler. Yeah. Yep. That store made a lot of money that day. Yeah, yeah, they did. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I love, because, like, when you dive deeper into this film, it's, like, it shows, like, the consequences of, like, actions of the higher-ups. Because, like, you have, like, uh, the political elites that don't give a shit about the city. Like, it's, it's all a facade. And it's, like, with our three characters... They all react to that stimuli differently. Like Batman's trying to make the city better by fighting crime. Selena Kyle is trying to become a better person. It's like an internal struggle. And then we have the Riddler who's like, I want to just burn it all to the ground. So not burn it all to the ground, flood it all to the ground. Because like what's interesting with Gotham, it's like, what's interesting with Gotham? Cause like I'm watching, I'm like, I didn't know nothing. And like very quickly, I'm like, oh, this isn't Chicago. Yeah. Except for a couple shots. I'm Mm -hmm. like, that's the loop. (laughs) So it's like this ambiguous, like it's like London, New York City, Chicago, Philadelphia, and uh, New Orleans with the seawalls. Yeah, sure. Right. And the the Riddler's grand plan at the end of the movie is to bust the the seawalls and the whole city becomes flooded. This movie is very ambiguous. Like the moral ambiguity of like the characters, the ambiguity of the scenery. Yet there's like a, a consistent message. Do you know what that message is, CJ? Vengeance. Yeah, vengeance to hope. <laughs> to yeah. be very explicit with yeah. the, the words yeah. the movie uses. Yes. <laughs> you said it before, like, because like Batman represents vengeance in the beginning of the film he's even called vengeance and then by the end of the film i think he becomes batman at that point so like there's this transformative process going on like he's like hardened from like the death of his parents Mm -hmm. and he's doing this that's like the whole reason why he's even donning the cape the cowl and by the end of the film after you know encountering the the riddler meeting selena kyle understanding her struggles he becomes more altruistic in a way like it's not about like working through your trauma as like let me just like beat people up and fight crime and that's like my outlet it's like oh he becomes this hope filled person he's more future driven rather than impulse driven in a way right right did you get that joey yeah okay yeah and i think so I think there's one major character that we actually haven't talked very much about, which I'd be interested to hear both of your thoughts on, which is the city of Gotham is very much a character in this story. Mm, yes. And we kind of see even just visually, I think CJ, you mentioned it earlier compared to the beginning of the film. It is like always raining, always dingy, always dark. Mm-hmm. And at the end, like the film is wrapping up with like this sunrise shot of yep. Batman carrying someone who's injured to the paramedics and just being, he's not in the shadows anymore. He doesn't, you know, he's, he's a a person of the people. And even just like the shot when he lights the flare and then leads all the people out of the, uh, the flooded area of the amphitheater, um, you know, just the huge visual trans, uh, transition there for Batman, but also I think the city of Gotham and just, you know, 
we're seeing all of this at a point before when most of the Batman stories take place. And so we've seen Gotham where it's at, you know, kind of post this movie for the most part. And so they kind of end with like the work is only just starting. And, you know, we now have the narrows and like the whole flooded area where all the criminal organizations are going to really pop up and become gangs and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting because like we first see the character in the beginning of the film where he's in the subway and he's like in the shadows and he's like beating up thugs that kind of look like Joker thugs. And then by the end of the film, which were more of my favorites uses of cinematography with the character, he's in the daylight. Like you said, like he's meeting up with Selena Kyle as the sun is rising, which means it's a new day for, for Gotham symbolically. And even though it's after this horrific events where the whole city is flooded, it's like, Gotham uses that time to help each other out. While prior, it was a very selfish city, very dark and grim. And then it's like, oh, there's going to be a brighter future. It's very beautifully put. So it's really interesting for the the Batman character. All right, gentlemen, are we ready to get off the fence on a few questions? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so we reached in the movie. We talked about the Batman. So it was just announced that there's going to be a part two to the Batman. I was surprised. Felt like a pretty self-contained story. But I guess there's going to be more in this universe. So I have to ask, do you think part two will live up to part one, the Batman? So I'll say I was not really surprised necessarily that there was going to be part two. And maybe that's just my cynicism of... And I guess maybe not cynicism, but it's just the way Hollywood works. If you have a movie that grosses $800 million they want more during money. COVID and it's the Batman, why aren't they going to do more? Um, so I think both you guys are right that it could have been a self-contained movie. And I think they also perfectly laid, you know, the groundwork for, for more movies because this was such a, you know, a, in a sense of Batman Begins and you see him go from not a scrawny, but a relatively thin, young Robert Pattinson who's knows how to fight, but he's kind of winging it to them at the end, you know, finding his mission and drive. Um, You have the little bit of introduction of the Joker, which opens the door to, you know, all the the criminals and things in the movie. What is it? The, the rogue of, or the, what do they call it? The collection? What are they called? um, The rogues gallery. Is that it? I know there's some word for, I forget because I think the Rogues Gallery is the Legion Spider-Man. of Doom. <laughs> yeah. Rogues Gallery, Spider Man. I I want to say yeah, but don't okay. don't quote me on it. So okay. yeah, Rogues I'm blanking gallery. on what uh, what it's called for for Batman. Okay. Yeah, whatever their pantheon of, of Legion of is. Doom. Yeah, the Legion <laughs> of Doom. Um, so so it, it makes total sense. I think that they're doing a second one, and obviously the Dark Knight is um, the standard bear for for second Batman movies. Um, but I think when you have a character that's already well known and and you're kind of retelling the story and, you know, making twists and change, I think it's easier to have a second movie. That's going to be better because you have the people immersed in, in the universe now, and and you can go a lot of different directions versus just a standard sequel of some new story. You know, you have to come up with an entirely, entirely new second story and you can hope that lives up to the first. But anyways, what I'm saying is I think it will, be great. I don't know if it's going to be better. I don't know if it'll live up to the Dark Knight, but I'm excited for it because I think it's it's unique enough from the previous trilogy that there's different ways they can go. Um, the story was really well told in the first one. The characters were well developed. Uh, cinematography is beautiful. Like I think it's going to be good. I'm excited for it. But 
I guess, I guess maybe I'm totally being on the fence if it's going to be better or not. So I will, um, I will, will it live up to part one. Yes. Yeah. I think it will for sure. Okay. Yeah. How about you, Joey? Do you think part two will live up to part one? I think probably, um, for me, part one took more of like a British style of filmmaking and storytelling mm-hmm. that was just a little bit more drawn out and had a slower pacing to it. Um, which is not personally my like preferred style of storytelling uh you like the fast and the furious no i just i think the story could have been told in like 20 minutes less probably sure i I think there were there were some things that we didn't gain like a ton of impact by it being a longer movie and it feeling basically like the plot where he's tracking down the penguin and then where he's tracking down, you know, the Riddler, like they were connected. Yes. But there were like multiple stories within this film, Mm -hmm. um, that were probably not long enough on their own to be an entire, like of their own film or part or something like that. But so for me, I, I think it'll be, yeah, I think it'll live up to, to this first one. Um, I'll be interested to know how long it's going to be because with the first one being three hours, right? You know, I would expect it to be at least two and a half hours, and I wouldn't be surprised sure. if it's over three hours because the first one was already three hours. Well, Avatar two set that bar because like it's an over three hour movie. It's like a four hour experience. Wow! And like, and we didn't even talk about the runtime. It's such an aggressive runtime of three hours. Like, if I. If I go to the movies, I'm walking into that experience. I know I'm going to expect that. Mm -hmm. But like I watched it, you know, I rented it. And it's like it took me like two days to get through it. Really? It's it's practically two movies. Two uh, two 90-minute movies. And I'm like, I watch it. I'm like, okay, this is a good stopping point. Let me pick this up again later. And it's like it's very aggressive. So like I hope the sequel is less. But like, it's probably not going to be, it's probably yeah. going to be like four hour movie. So when I went in theaters, um, obviously at that point I knew it was going to be three hours and this might get into where expectations influence, you know, perception and, and how you uh, experience things. But I, at no point in the movie thought like, mm, this is getting long. I'm, I'm kind of ready for it to be over. It's like, well paced to me, movie. I thought it was pretty well paced and I was just enjoying it from start to finish. So there's no part where I started thinking, I hope this is over. I was actually had multiple <laughs> moments where like, I hope we're not as far into the, cause you lose track of a three hour movie. Yeah. Once you're halfway in, it's really hard to know, you know, where you are. Um, so the only thought I was really having in terms of time was like, I hope we're not close to the three hour end. Cause it feels like I've been here for like five hours. So I imagine it's going to be over <laughs> soon, but I'm really enjoying it. And, you know, yeah. I went to the bathroom ahead of time. So that, uh, that helps. Good move. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I imagine if, if it's a three hour movie and, and it got this reception that, they're not going to cut it much shorter in the next one. Listen, if you're going to have over three hours of runtime, put in an intermission. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Or at least we- like chapter titles. Like there's got to be, I mean, there is already precedence for that sort of thing in yeah. films anyway. But yeah, you know, you still go see a, a theater performance or ballet and they have intermission. Yeah. I'm, and they're I'm less, curious. they're less time. Way less time. Yeah. It's like, like 90 minutes. It's like 45 minutes. All right. 15 minute intermission. Another 45 minutes. Why can't we have that? Yeah. I was, there must be some answer, but it is kind of strange that, that, the, uh, cinema is like the one sit down art form that just for the most part, I guess, has, has completely eliminated it. You have AMC. I don't know if you heard about this, CJ. We have AMC that is now charging 
based on seating location, whether it's higher or lower. Yep. So for already doing that, which is already in theater, it makes sense. You want to see the performance, you know, up, up and close sure. or like a nice vantage point. So like, if we're going to do that with cinema, might as well put in the intermission. Yeah. Be like 15 minutes, go to the bathroom, get more popcorn. Theaters are going to be theaters again. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Let's start building some beautiful Chicago theaters downtown just for the movies again, like they used to as well. Yeah. And you know, architecture, balconies, <laughs> architecture. Yeah. Imagine a balcony for a film. Imagine I'm, owning I'm a box that. at a movie theater. Yeah. <laughs> you can sweet. show up and watch whatever movies there, or you yeah. can give your tickets to a friend or something like that. You have room to put your popcorn down and no one's going to knock it over. Yeah. You, know? you see, there's this new theater in Chicago in Wrigleyville. Uh, it's called Alamo Draft House. Have you heard of it, Joey? No. It just opened like the other week. You're not allowed to talk. You can't have your cell phone on. If you talk or have your cell phone on, you are kicked out. Wow. It's a dining experience. You get there early. Oh, and if you're late, you can't see the movie. Wow. <laughs> you're just barred from entry. Yeah. This is why we need an intermission. They're again. like, you can't come in. I mean, you could come in uh, for like a, another movie or like yeah. get a rebate for the same movie later. But like, if you're going to be late, can't watch the movie. If you're not there on time for the showtime, you miss the showtime. Yes. And that's why, at least if we had intermission, you could catch the second half. You know, do you only want to see the second half of a movie? No, not really. But. Just, I'm just saying another reason. If you drove all that way. If you drove all that way, yeah. So I'm just saying, let's do that with the theater. Well, That's you know, I mean, with with what's happened with COVID and, you know, people working from home and everything and not wanting to go out to theaters and getting used to not seeing movies. And, you know, this goes to streaming as well, too. I wonder if the in-person theater experience is going to become, you know, more of a, a niche market and a way to draw people in is some of these things that we're talking about, you know, more comfortable seats, which we've been seeing and, and yeah. food delivery to the seats. But like, mm-hmm. do we think we've maxed out on that? You know, or I, I think there's probably room where it becomes even more of a, a luxury experience and whether that's a good thing or bad, I don't know, but yeah. it seems to be drifting that way. Here's my theory. There's going to be two different types of movie theaters. We're going to have like the more mainstream AMCs or Lowe's or Regals. They're going to be pretty much showing Marvel films or Star Wars, Disney movies. Or Skinamax. I don't... (laughs) I think think that's for the music box. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, like, I think those big chains are going to be showing, you know, like, Disney films or DreamWorks. Like, people that have large stakes in making movies. While things like like more art house movies, kind of like this Batman movie we just watched is going to be more to the smaller theaters. You know what I mean? Sure. So I think there's going to be a little bit of a divide where it's like, you want to go in for stadium seating the recliner chairs, the burgers sent to your seats. You're going to be watching the Spider-Man 10. But if you want to see something like the Batman, it's going to be at like, you know, your feet's going to be sticking to the floor. It's going to have, stale popcorn but you're there for the experience and like watching the film on the big screen rather than watching it in your living room type mm-hmm. of thing you know yeah yeah so it has to do with money that's what it always comes down to so we talked about part two and we talked about the joker do you think the joker is going to be a bigger role in part two or do you think they're going to save him for like part mm-hmm. three or something because he is the main he's the big draw for sure. That's um, the main villain. You guys may or may not be aware there was a deleted scene. Um, I watched of, it. Okay, of Batman talking to Joker and Arkham and trying to, you know, get his feedback on, on what's going on with the Riddler. Yeah. Um, 
So I think there's a lot of reasons you could read why they cut it. Maybe they just didn't think it fit the movie, whatever reason. But there was at least some Or it attention. was already three hours oh, yeah, anyway. Exactly. But all the information that was exchanged between them, we already had it. Yeah. Watching the film. Yeah. So I think it would have been a retread. I think you can very much argue that it was totally unnecessary. The fact that they filmed it obviously means there's some intention of more Joker involvement. Yes. But that could be contained to that movie. So do they put him in the next one? I don't know. It kind of felt like they just they hinted at him at the end in my mind, just to suggest that, you know, Gotham's not saved. There's a lot more other boogeymen out there. Yeah. Um, it's, there's been so many Batmans and the Joker is, is the greatest villain yep. and we already have a standalone Joker. So you could argue we have too many. We don't need more. <laughs> you could argue the people love it, give them what they want. Um, so it's easy to be on the fence for this too, but I am going to say no, that he is not going to be in it but as i'm saying that it's like well then who's going to be the next villain i don't know i guess you could do mr freeze but like to be in this world it feels like the joker is meant to be one of the villains in this super gritty so i'm still going to say no because that's what my gut said i think no because we already like you said we have the standalone joker films so it'd be confusing to have two different actors play the joker the same role yeah and like there are other villains like we have like harvey dent two-face we have the scarecrow we have the penguin already introduced he could be a larger role uh mr freeze <laughs> i think mr freeze is not very likely yeah i was it's not very grounded version. the odds on that are quite high i yeah. think black mask would be a much more high probability oh, it was black mask yeah he's also like just a criminal like a gang leader and so like within you know traditional like comics and games version of batman he has like a skin condition acid thing that turned his his skin to like look like almost like skeletal basically and wow. and is like onyx colored um but you can easily just have someone who wears a mask as their trademark and is otherwise a normal guy in high society gotham that nobody knows is this crime lord is he the guy in the mask of the phantasm movie no that's someone else. Yeah. But if you saw the uh, Harley Quinn movie, he's Ewan McGregor's character in that film. I, you know, I lasted five minutes or less with the Harley Quinn. It wasn't a good movie, but Ewan McGregor does like a pretty good evil villain, which if you've seen him in anything outside of like the mainstream stuff, you, you probably already know that anyway, but I'll, I'll watch a super cut of just his scenes. There you go. <laughs> he's pretty dark. You know, it makes me wonder because obviously we both did not know who this character was. Would they introduce somebody that's that much less mainstream into the movie? I and think totally yes. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. And I would love for them to do it because that I'm already hooked into the second one if that's who it is. Um, but it, I could see the suits, you know, the the big wigs that are writing the checks being like, uh, let's just do the Joker because everyone's <laughs> going to come to it. And so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very curious to see who it is, but that would be an intriguing move. I think the artist's intent on the director's part is probably like, well, let's do like, you know, this obscure villain from like the comics. And like the big wigs are like, no, let's put the Joker in. Right, right. Got to put butts in seats. But a great way to, you know, differentiate yourself more from the Christopher Nolan trilogy is to to introduce. To not follow the exact yeah, <laughs> characters. Yeah, right. <laughs> they could do Ra's al Ghul. That would also be interesting. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, that would be 
more following directly in that footsteps. I think either way, there's going to be multiple villains just like we had in this Batman movie, which we had the Penguin and the Riddler and Catwoman, if you count her as a villain, Mm -hmm. which doesn't include the Marconi and um, Falcone. Falcone, yeah, crime syndicates. Right, right. So high likelihood that there will be more than one. I wouldn't be surprised if the Joker is at least another cameo type appearance or maybe he's the character at the beginning that is like there for a scene and then Batman puts him away and he's not a problem for the rest of the movie. Mm -hmm. And it's something after that. Um, Deathstroke. Deathstroke would be great to have. You know, Deathstroke, CJ. Have you seen the arrow? (laughs) Uh -uh. Uh, (laughs) Uh-uh. He's he's basically an assassin, like a really high-end assassin that that also battles against Batman and other DC Universe characters. Okay. I'd be in. Harley Quinn. I mean, if they have Harley Quinn, they have to have the Joker. They're not going to introduce Harley Quinn without the Joker. That one seems less likely. I think it's likely. Okay. (laughs) Here's the thing. You can have Poison Ivy, but she's like poisoning people. Like she's, she's like Ted Kaczynski. Where like, okay, so like clearly the Riddler is based on like the Zodiac Killer or like the BTK Killer. So you can have another serial killer inspired person, Poison Ivy, where she's sending out like anthrax or something through the mail like she's like poisoning people it's like she's using chemical warfare that could be scarecrow too yeah i think there are a lot of options and there's a lot of characters that are um will be the primary villain at times for batman even if they're not like the very top tier necessarily there's a lot of possibilities yeah okay well i hope they don't do the joker because of everything we just said because it's already been done before. So do you think this was a good portrayal of Batman in this movie, uh, Joey? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Do you think Robert Pattinson is a good Batman and Bruce Wayne or one or the other? I think so. And I think part of that was they really nailed like his stance when he's wearing the suit and the design of the suit was obviously super important towards that as well. Um, and it definitely just felt like a like a young kind of like fledgling Batman to me throughout the film. Yeah. Um, we see him much less as Bruce Wayne because he doesn't think that his real persona of Bruce Wayne has like any value in comparison to what he's doing mm. with Batman. I think at the end of it, he's realizing that he can't just be Batman. He has to be Bruce Wayne as well to affect the change he wants. Yes. He must become something bigger than himself. So CJ, do you think this was a good portrayal of Batman? I do. And and what you just said at the end there, Joey, is really interesting um, because from my very uh, limited general Batman universe knowledge, it would just seem to me that the the Playboy Bruce Wayne sort of persona like just doesn't really fit with, with the character and, and no. growing up as an orphan and being um, a vigilante. So... I think the sort of mopey, recluse, sad boy thing, especially when he's younger, it it just makes perfect sense if if, these, if we're thinking about this realistically, which is what the movie wants us to do. Um, so I think it's a really fitting portrayal and seeing him as, as more of the detective and, and developing his skills and things makes sense. But you're right that he realizes at the end, and I hadn't thought about this before, but you know he needs to be more than just the shadow. Um, 
So what they do in the second one with with Bruce Wayne will be interesting. Does he come back in you know, the true. spotlight as well? And does he, you know, cut his hair a little bit and smile? And like, <laughs> I'm, I'm curious what what's going to happen there, um, which is what I think going back to our previous question about if the second one will live up to it, I think it really can because there's just so much, you know, new ground, not new in the fact that the Batman is new, but new in this small little universe is created for where he can go as a character. That'd be a great way to introduce Harvey Dent. Like he doesn't have to be two-faced, but like you can have Bruce Wayne be like, you know, he's going from a doomer to a bloomer. He wants, <laughs> he's not, he's out of the shadows into the sunlight and he's like, wants to help the city, especially in the time of crisis. Makes sense for him, a uh, guy with a lot of money to finance a political person, Harvey Dent, to clean up the city, to help the city. And maybe in the third film, he has that fall from Greece or something like that. Right. Yep. So there's a possibility there. I think it was a good portrayal of Batman um, because, like, he is this brooding character. Like, I think he's more than just the playboy. Maybe in Christopher Nolan's uh, universe, that was just, like, a way to cope with the trauma of, like, having your parents killed and all that stuff. In Christopher Nolan's, it was all part of the, like, act the facade. Like, well... No, Bruce Wayne's not Batman. Like he runs around with like supermodels and he spends money frivolously buying hotels because he can. And right. you know, that's sort of, and so like so even they even say like, you know, at the end of the movie that the Bruce Wayne face is his mask rather than Batman's, you know, cowl being his mask. So And who's his love interest? What's her name in the movies? Um, Rachel, Rachel Dawes. Yeah. yeah. Who, Rachel. Who I, showing how little sort of big time Batman stuff I knew, I thought she was just a classic Batman character. I don't know if she was created for the trilogy. Um, but anyway, she makes it, you know, quite apparent that the Bruce Wayne that he is in, in the newspapers is not the Bruce Wayne that she knew growing on. So right. yeah, it was pretty explicit that, that it wasn't that. So maybe that's the direction they take it in this one as well. Um, to be seen, I guess. To be seen. Well, we know that Catwoman, uh, Zoe Kravitz, is coming back for part two. We do. Yes. Okay. Both good. of them. Because they can, you know, hinted that she was going to move to whatever town or whatever, but it felt like if they make <laughs> number two, she's coming back. So she's, she's got to go yeah. learn how to be an international art thief, basically, or jewel thief. Yeah. Okay. She's going to be like on a phone call, Zoom call. Hey, I'm in Paris right now. <clears throat> okay. There's my check. All right. Good luck, Batman. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, I, I just hope part two is good. There's so many possibilities. I could go like the really lazy routes or they could tell an interesting story that we haven't seen before with the character. So I just, I just hope it's good. So my final question, would you recommend the Batman to a friend? CJ, I'll start with you. Yes. Because I recommended it to you. Oh, yeah, and I go. was did it work? I, I, we it up, worked. Oh my god, <laughs> yeah, it was a great now. film. It was a great film. Um, unless somebody's really burned out or is not into superhero movies, but even then, I still, I, it's great. Yeah, I'd recommend it. How about you, Joey? I probably wouldn't just because <sighs> I need background on what their movie preferences. Because I would, I can already think of plenty of people I know that would not enjoy this movie whatsoever they would find it like extra long they don't really like comic book I movies i can't see anything it's too dark <laughs> i mean it's not a Zack snyder movie but it, yeah it's it's definitely dim more dimly lit Turn and it is kind lights. of like 
mellow and like depressing as well. So, so I probably wouldn't recommend it. I, I'd recommend it to anyone I know that is into DC, into comic book movies, likes those sorts of things. I think it's worth a watch. Um, but I, I wouldn't recommend it to the average moviegoer just because I think it's going to be very different from their normal movie experience, especially if we were talking about like at a movie theater and it's going to be a yeah. very different experience of Batman from their other Batman experience. And so they're going to be confused why, you know, there's just the alt-right running around shooting people with rifles <laughs> and a guy in a suit that doesn't even want to admit it's based on a bat until the end of the film, you know, like fighting against them. Oh my God. Yeah. It is the alt-right uh, wet dream kind of. <laughs> depose the government through I, yeah i'm violence. not even sure like it was yeah violence and riddles no i think it's like i, I think if we're gonna put like a picture to to riddler is like it's it's kind of like the 4chan type thing because like it's all the disenfranchised people the outcasts the outliers the socially marginalized not in a good way because that phrase is used for like, oh, I feel bad for them. Like people that are straight up garbage people, thrown away. They don't fit in society. So the Riddler had that message that attracted those people that just wanted to blow And somehow away. they were all white males. Oh, how do you know? They were wearing masks. They were all white males. You go rewatch that part of the movie, Armand, and you tell me you don't think that there was a specific message being delivered with that, which... Do you see a lot of black alt-right people? No, but it just wasn't, you know, from, from the standpoint of like, there was clearly an agenda with what group of people this is that are evil in terms of, and that, that are willing to like do this, which I don't consider myself anywhere close to are there a lot you know, that black group of serial people. killers. I, are there any women serial killers? That's statistics. Statistics are racist, Armand. I don't know if you know. I'm just saying that's. It is statistics. It's kind of like I was just making more an observation. I thought that like that. I, know, you're being, I, I took you're a little glib. bit of intro, of of uh, um, issue with that part of the story because it seemed to me, and maybe I was misinterpreting this. So you guys tell me what your interpretation. But it seemed like they were really targeting like anybody that's a prepper, anybody that's like feels like they're just not happy with the government. Anybody that's a libertarian, these are the that's people that not, show up and are going to shoot people with rifles. That was the, the group of people that I took away from that from that sequence. Bro, I am libertarian. That's not the vibe I was getting. It was it was pretty much uh, what edge lords should. It's kind of like the people that like go online, get radicalized, and then they shoot up a place. That was the vibe I was getting. I was like, clearly, this, that's what inspired this character and like that group of people. It's like people that are like, yeah, let's fucking kill everybody. And then someone actually does it. And the person that actually does it is a Riddler. And then all these other people that show up by like at least the dozens. Like there were, there were probably close to like 40, 40 to 50 people that somehow all got access to the same. Oh, that's where the comic book stuff comes into play. But like you have people that worship serial killers like Charles Manson and like, like the whole true crime. I know there has to be a portion of that. Those true followings crime. are generally white female Armando. I know that specifically, <laughs> but well, you have people that like idolize the wrong people like, Oh my God, kill, kill Gore in apocalypse. Now he's so cool. Cause he doesn't look at the explosions or like people that, uh, uh, 
idolize the Joker from the Dark Knights. Like, yeah, he's he's an agent of chaos. And he's like, oh, like he's so nihilistic. He wants to like mess up the system. There are people that truly think like oh, he had the right idea. Instead of like, oh, that's an interesting character. It's entertaining. It's like people that there's always going to be that group of people that are going to take it too far. Did you get the vibe that it was uh, attacking libertarian people? No, no. I, I think I'm in your camp, Armand. That's not um, the vibe I was getting. But I think it's, you know, the, the way our world is now and, and how everyone gets portrayed to be the worst of whatever side they're on. Mm. Um I think it's I think that connection is possible to be made. I don't think that's what the movie itself was going for. Um I don't think it was some, you know, big social justice lecture by any means, but um I think in our heightened times that everything can get coded in different ways and I'm not surprised. I I think I I've seen that that reading online before and I I don't think it's um a totally like out of bounds connection, but I don't think it was intended. And okay, um, I didn't. Because like you can yeah. also argue that it's not a positive portrayal of the Gotham government, because like you can easily say like, oh, that's the Democrat Party. Yeah. Well, and they're yeah. in bed with the mafia. Yeah, and I I'm think sure, it was more the commentary. I'm sure Lori Lightfoot of, like, here in Chicago is in bed with the mafia. She said she has the biggest dick in the city. <laughs> To Gordon, Joe Perillo. Gordon is played by man. Jeffrey Wright. The new mayor is a black woman. I don't remember the actress's name. Um, and so, like, the the fact of, like, we have a lot of figures in power that are leading the government that are black people or people of color. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the people that are rising up to try to kill them and, you know, other officials and the police and stuff, which the police are all, like, Italians for some reason. <laughs> um, yeah, right. And then... I just love their aesthetic side note because, like, it's... Modern day, clearly. But like 60s. 70s, like leather jackets and like the leather hats. I'm like... And the mustaches and everything. Yeah, like, I love this. Yeah, the big uniform hat. Yes. (laughs) Well, and that's that... I think that's that like, you know, mid-century modern, that, you know, goth, gothic style that, you know, Gotham has always been a part of. But so I think... I just and maybe I'm reading like too much into it. It just seemed like there was commentary there of like the Riddler and his followers being predominantly like white male people that were rising up to try to stop, you know, the black people in the government and kill the black woman mayor. And, you know, uh, just, just everything with that, I think. And like I said, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I know, you know, this day, modern age, Hollywood, everything does have a slant on it. That is an interpretation, but I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think so, man. All right, that's fair. I don't think so. Because, like, you have Italians still being stereotyped as mafia people. Is that, is that okay? Yeah, because they're white. They're not technically white. They're Caucasian. Arabs are Caucasian. But they're not white. I think it's like anglo saxon But the thing is with Paul Dano's character, he was clearly an unhinged person. Like, yeah. I don't think like his skin tone denoted like he could have been Asian for all I You know what I mean, Jelly yeah. Bean? Yeah, no, I know what you mean. Um, Batman, the hero of the story, is white too. So yeah. like, but, but then also the three guys that were killed for being corrupt were a white lawyer, a white mayor, and the white... Like, I think there's... It's... 
yeah, I think you can see it. And if you want to, and I, I didn't pick up on it myself watching the movie. Um, Alex Jones would be like, there's an attack on Liberty. Let's see. They hate, they hate libertarians. (laughs) Go buy gold. (laughs) Go buy gold. I don't think, I don't think that was the intent. Okay. But it is, I guess it's safe to have your villain be white, but then again, the villains are also Italian and Zoe Kravitz's character, even though she was morally gray, she's black. So, and she's, I don't know. I just, I don't think that narrative is there. Okay. I'm just, I don't, I don't think there's not that sort of narrative in any movie made in modern day, I guess. Or, or some sort of narrative rather, I guess is more what I mean. Okay. So would I recommend this movie? (laughs) (laughs) As a libertarian. As a libertarian. Yeah, I would. Cause like, I think it's just as good as the dark Knight. Just as good. Just as good. Because, like, The Dark Knight, because, like, yeah, Batman Begins, and, like, it, it was still comic booky. The Dark Knight was very grounded. Like, mm-hmm. you had, like, the fantastical elements with, like, the Joker and all that stuff. But, like, it felt like a reinvention of Batman. Like, I was like, oh, my God. Like, even people referred to him as the Dark Knight. Like, I remember I was working at Target, and we are selling Dark Knight toys, and... This grandma's like, I don't know if this, my grandson likes the Dark Knights. Is this appropriate for a 10-year-old? And I'm like, when I was 10, I liked Batman. She's like, oh, it's Batman? Oh, like, wow. <laughs> like, what do you think that is? <laughs> oh, my God. But, like, I think the Batman with Robert Pattinson and, like, the direction that they're going with this story, I think it's just as good as the Dark Knight. If the Dark Knight never came out, people would be, like, praising this movie, like I said earlier. People would be like, oh, my God, this is so amazing. Wow, I've never seen a Batman like this before. So I think this is a really interesting step with the franchise and the character. Yeah. So it's a little bit different. So I think I would recommend it. But like, it's with an asterisk because it's like, do you like aggressive run times? Do you like really gritty movies? Do you have like, it's a superhero movie, but it's kind of arty, like you said, Joey. If you like Batman and you like crime movies, like mobster movies, then you'll definitely like this because it, it has those vibes, 100%. It's, it's the most noir Batman movie yeah. we have ever received. And Batman is kind of inherently a noir story. It's like Batman is a detective. It's detective comics. DC. Yeah. So. Wow. Whoa. <laughs> I didn't know that. Just blew CJ's mind. <laughs> like he's Dick Tracy without the yellow jacket and he's all black and he has like nunchucks going on. <laughs> <laughs> It's the same villains. He's fighting the mob. He's in the city. He works with the police. So I think this is a really good step. I was like, I was watching this. I'm like, oh my God, this is the Batman I've always wanted. Hmm. Like he's like, he's a detective. He's not like, like, uh, Adam Smith or not Adam Smith, Adam West, like pow, kabam, suck. (laughs) You know, it's funny too, with him being the detective finally. Yeah. And him being so early on, he's not that great of a detective yet. (laughs) <laughs> and he, he gets some of the riddles more than the other people. So he's, you know, yeah. he's smart in that sense. But like, he never found the Riddler. The Riddler just shot Falcone because Batman brought him out into the light. And then he's sitting yeah. at a diner. Like, his detective work didn't stop or solve anything. <laughs> mm-hmm. Everything the Riddler wanted to have happen happened. And, you know, it ends on a hopeful note yes. in a sense, but also ends in a note where the entire city's flooded and a ton of people died. 
So it's interesting that, and I think this is a knock that I read a lot after the movie came out is that, oh, Batman's not very good at his job and he's thin and he's, mope, you know, like, I think it's an interesting first step. And that's why I always thought there'd be a second one is because mm. it seemed to me like it's laying the groundwork for him to become, you know, the Batman instead of just a guy that's wearing a bat mask that is working with the cops. So I think it's funny. He did not really do his job very well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, by episode two or, or the second movie, hopefully he's a little better as a detective. Um, but anyways, I, I just thought that was funny. I think that's why it's called the Batman because like he's becoming the Batman. So yeah. it's like this, it's probably going to be three films. This trilogy of him becoming how we know the character is Batman. Yeah. So it's part one, part two. It's all by design. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Yeah, I, I thought it was a great film. It was a fantastic movie. Thank you so much, CJ, for recommending it. Anytime, anytime. Are we ready to close this out? Yeah. All right, guys. Well, this was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for doing this. I guess we have to wait until part two comes out. We'll get another round table going. There you go. We'll see yep. if Zoe Kravitz, she does a good job. See if any of our theories come true. Hopefully yeah. we'll have more Andy Serkis, too. Oh, he was great. Yeah, yeah, all the casting, him? all the casting. Well, he was such a small role, um, but all the casting was really good. And I'd be very interested to see Andy Serkis as Alfred and kind of more that like very british not super old you know kind of alfred though he obviously at the beginning of the film he's not you know using a cane and at the end of the film he's very likely in that direction of gonna need to use a cane now i'm so i'm so ready for this it's so awesome i love batman all right guys let's do this let's end it until next time that's it for this time on the syndicate we hope you enjoyed yourself Keep the conversation going by adding us on Instagram and letterboxed at syndicate or join the discord server where you can catch Armand along other podcasters and listeners at syndicate.com slash discord. And until next time, stop that scroll and spend more time watching. Goodbye.